Date of recording, March 11, 2021. Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedanta Kari. For today's episode, we're talking about Oprah with Meghan and Harry, this bombshell interview that aired a couple of days ago at time of recording. And my guest for today is Miss Holly Wilkinson. Hey, Holly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very, very excited to be here. Thank you. Of course. So do you just want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure. So as Vedan said, my name is Holly. I am actually the sister of Bailey, who was a guest on an episode this past summer, all about Marvel and DC and superheroes. But I'm here today because we're going to talk about some royalty. So mainly how... Mainly how I know so much about this is I've always been obsessed with like celebrities, pop culture, the royals, all that jazz. Um, And I'm actually the creator of a brand called Hollywood Talk. It's kind of a play on words with my name. So this is stuff that I love reporting about. Can't wait to dish on. And yeah, that's basically a little bit about me. So thank you, Vedant, for having me on. Most of the public knows the royals don't really talk media. They don't really speak on controversial matters. It's just not what they've done. Now, I'm not saying that can't change from what we've seen, but usually that's just how they roll. They don't comment on anything. So when Meghan and Harry stepped away from the royal family, and then obviously like a year later, we see that they're doing this interview, it was truly shocking. And I honestly think we haven't seen something like this since Princess Diana's interview back in 1995. So I think this has definitely shook the world to its core. I don't think people expected Harry and Meghan to do this kind of interview. We had heard rumors that they were not happy, but I'm, I was so shook when Oprah announced that it would be happening. And I know the rest of the world was as well. And I guess I have two questions. Number one, what do you recall about the coverage of Megxit, as they're calling it, when it initially happened? And my second question is, what were your perceptions of the situation before you watched this interview? So the way I was reading it in the media was that it was very Megan-driven, that this exit was her stealing Harry away from the royal family. That's the way the media portrayed it, I believe, in England and in the U.S. Now, I think the U.S. is a little bit more, they, they empathize a little bit more with Megan just because she's an American. So we kind of feel a little bit more of an attachment to her than the royal family, like she's tangible to us in a way. To answer the Megxit question, I definitely think that was how people were perceiving it, that she was the driving force behind it. And I think people started to view Harry as someone who was just completely whipped. He let her run the show. And it turns out, after listening to this interview from what they said, that it was actually a very joint, you know, couple situation that they both had agreed to do this. And it sounded like it had been months in the making. But I believe like the way they explained it, it was a little bit different than the way we all heard it, that it wasn't like months in the making to conspire against the royal family. It was months in the making because they were constantly going back and forth from what it sounds like with the firm, which is, I think, the family, but I think that's the 
the way the terms that they speak in in the monarchy. They, they have the institution and the firm, and they were referencing that a lot. So it just showed that there was so much going on behind the scenes, for sure. Did you believe prior to the interview that Meghan was kind of whipping Harry away from the monarchy, as some people believed at the time? I definitely think if he wasn't with a woman like Megan, he probably wouldn't have stayed where he was because it's just like, you know, it's his whole life. It's where he was born. It's where he lives and grew up. But I think, you know, I'm happy for him because he married a woman who is very strong, very smart, very independent and outspoken. And I think him being with her changed his entire perspective on his life and his role and how the monarchy is currently run. And I think she shook it up um, when she first came in. I think it was in a good way. It's sad to hear that there was such tension between the family because I think she was a perfect asset to the monarchy. But I definitely think she complimented him in that sense. I don't think she like snatched him away at all. This interview at the time of recording aired about a week ago. And so how did you watch the interview? Did you watch it all at once on premiere date? How did you watch it? I watched it. I had it on DVR. I was ready. I watched it live. Definitely shocking some of the statements that were made. I didn't expect them to be that candid. Like, I know we're going to go into this, but the certain statements that shocked me, the first one that was jaw-dropping, I'm trying to remember the order of when she said it. First one that was shocking was that she mentioned that she had suicidal thoughts during her pregnancy with baby Archie. The second was that a certain member of the royal family had questioned how dark Archie's skin color would be because Megan is a biracial woman. The third was that Harry was so open and candid about how he felt, quote, trapped and how his father and brother are also trapped as well. So those were the three things that it was just like, whoa, that's really detailed stuff that we would never have, have known. Which one of these do you want to elaborate on or delve deep into first? Let's jump into the suicidal thoughts and Megan's state of depression while she was living with the royals. Sounds good. I definitely want to jump in on that. So a lot, there were a lot of things that Megan mentioned that were very reminiscent of the late Princess Diana, who is William and Harry's mom. And it was just very, it's sad to hear, of course, but it was very interesting to hear because a lot of the statements of Megan saying that she felt lonely, that even though she had Harry, when she was alone with her thoughts, it felt very demon-like and that when she was alone, she didn't know what would happen. She asked for help, but the family kind of turned the other way. It's that very British, like stiff upper lip, like we don't discuss problems. So that was, it was shocking and also sad to hear because it was very reminiscent of Diana's interview when she said how lonely she was and that she was struggling with depression, bulimia, mental, mental, you know, suicidal thoughts. So it's just sad. It's sad to hear because you would think the monarchy would have learned. Like you think they would have with Diana's death and with her coming out in that interview saying all of those negative thoughts, you would think the monarchy would have learned that the next time an outsider, even though Diana technically was not an outsider, she was of aristocracy, but still she wasn't someone, you know, from the immediate family, of course, that I think anytime an outsider comes in, they should 
be cared for a little bit and looked after a little bit more than they've done in the past because it's sad to see that when it comes to someone's well-being in that environment, it's sad that we saw history starting to repeat itself. And I think ultimately that's why Harry also got her out of that situation because he didn't want to see what happened to Diana happen to Megan. Yeah, I like how you mentioned history will repeat itself because there is that old saying, those who don't learn their history are bound to repeat themselves. And it is mm-hmm. truly shocking how there are so many parallels between what happened to Meghan Markle and the late Princess Diana. It's so shocking just how similar they are. Yes, and then I think what made it even worse is that once you add racism in this situation i think it's it just adds i think to that level of pressure and tension and how when you incorporate the media that they were kind of feeding on anything that had to do with her biracial background and they were just saying such incorrect statements that they knew would be inflammatory like i remember reading an article from the daily mail that was like the new princess is straight out of compton and I, I read it, that was, too. it was just like, what? Like one, that is how racist can you be? Two, how ignorant can you be? Like you've done no research on like where she grew up and like what her situation is. So, you know, it was just very clear that the media was swaying one way and the royals kind of turned the other cheek and didn't prevent this from stopping. Even the parliament had a bipartisan group of liberal and conservative women say that this is wrong, this is bad, leave her alone, and they didn't listen. Absolutely. I think Harry even, this was prior to their exit, but he was trying to sue the media. He made a statement like, please stop coming after my wife and my child. And, you know, they didn't really listen. So I guess ultimately that was one of the factors that made them leave. Because, like, I can't even imagine that, that the new country you're living in, to to know that the media every day is painting you in a different light, you know, and perpetuating falsehoods about you, you know, that's hard to sit with for sure. Definitely. And you mentioned the Daily Mail. So this example of just racist, deflammatory comments, do you notice this as much in American media? Did you notice it specifically in the British uh, articles that you read? I definitely saw a huge difference between British media and our country's media, because I think the U.S., we welcomed the two of them with open arms. You know, she's an American, so I think we were all excited to hear, oh, an American's going to be with, you know, the royals. Um, The British media definitely just seemed, and she even said this in the interview with Oprah, that post-wedding, like after the royal wedding, it just started to take a turn. And it became very comparing and contrasting pregnancies, like how Kate looked when she was pregnant versus how Megan's doing things. And what's Megan doing? Oh, well, you know, she's touching her stomach again. That's so obnoxious. But it just quickly, I think the Daily Mail and triggering media like that, that just do it for the clickbait, they like to have that hero villain aspect of their writing and their photos and their headlines. And somehow, which, you know, Megan said in the interview, it was very clear, you know, there was one person that was deemed the hero, which was Kate, and one was the villain. And it quickly became clear that they just started turning Megan into this villainous character. It's just very interesting to see because the U.S., I think we didn't know what was going on. I think we were just happy to support them. 
that it wasn't until they're stepping away that everyone was shocked. But the, for some reason, I don't know why the British media is that ruthless, but it's very clear that nothing was done to stop it or they let up a little bit. It was just very clear that there was like this frenzy. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's some level of disconnect in the American media. Like, I think even Meghan Markle said that she didn't know a lot about the monarchy. And she mentioned how she didn't know how to, was it, pay curtsy to the queen and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a culture shock. (laughs) It was when I think they were at one of the the cottages and she was getting out of the car and Harry was like, you know, you're going to have to curtsy. And she was like, wait, what? We're, We're at a cottage. We're like hanging out with your grandma. And he's like, well, she's still the queen. And I think that's definitely something that as Americans, that's just shocking to hear. Because like we have celebrities and we kind of, you know, worship them in a way. But, you know, we don't have monarchs. We like defeated the British, obviously. So I think it's just something that's really surprising to us. I definitely agree with you on the whole hero villain thing. Like during the interview, Megan mentioned this whole feud. We don't know what happened behind the closed doors, but right. it seemed like they were making this whole feud because of a flower girl between Kate and Megan that um, I think it was Me- they accused Megan of making Kate cry because of Flower Girl. Yes, that there was some argument about the dresses and the way the media portrayed it was that Megan was like a bridezilla and they made it out to be that she had Kate Middleton leaving in tears. And then that was also very shocking. That was the fourth thing that shocked me when she said to Oprah that it was actually the reverse. And then we were all like, wait. Because the media was covering this, which is such a silly story, to be honest. Like, this isn't earth-shattering, you know, reporting. But the fact that the media covered it for, like, six months after their wedding, like, Megan made Kate cry, and then finding out it was actually the reverse, also goes to show who in this institution is not sticking up for Megan and is purposely covering up lies about the immediate family. And it shows that they picked the person who were they who they were going to continue to defend and the person that again would be deemed as some kind of villainous person that can't do anything right. Something interesting I noticed in this interview, particularly when it came to what happened between her and Kate, is that Megan showed a lot of restraint, even though there was a lot of bombshell information she showed some level restrained by not saying what ag- what exactly happened in this instance, as well as who brought up the quote-unquote concern, end quote, about the color of her baby's skin tone. Right. You could tell there were many moments that she was holding back tears that, like you said, she was very restrained. I actually thought Harry at times was a little bit more vocal and a little bit more emotional, maybe because it's his immediate family and he's so hurt by it. But I think she did a great job at saying her piece, saying anything too inflammatory, but just keeping it open, honest. I do think, though, either way, whether she was going to be super nice or super mean, which I don't think she was being mean, but whether it was that one side of that pendulum, this was going to be detrimental to the monarchy and shocking to the monarchy, shocking to the world, no matter what, just because they're doing this interview. But I think Harry's statements were more shocking because people were hearing it from someone who's a prince, like Oprah said, has this enormous privilege that he's been born into, that he's lived that life. And that was shocking because I think obviously like having Megan share her piece was one thing, But now that Harry was also expressing that he felt trapped and that 
his family has issues and he was mentioning racism, things like that. This is definitely something that I believe we're going to be talking about for a really long time, because I truly think this is, this is my, this might be what, what really shakes up the monarchy and the institution and where they go from here. I do feel like it was harder for Prince Harry to do this interview because you're right, Meghan Markle, she's like brand new to the family, whereas this is his entire life. It must have been hard for him to mention stuff like how Prince Charles stopped taking his calls as well as how they were cut off financially at the start of 2020. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty personal stuff. And we don't know technically who made that racist comment, and it sounds like it come up multiple came up multiple times. I believe he said there were several conversations that family members were involved in with him. I don't know if the British people and or the world who support them are going to be able to move on from this until we get those details that I feel like Oprah did a great job of like continuing to ask the same question if she still didn't get the exact answer that I, that they were dancing around certain you know, conversations a little bit. But the fact that we now know that Harry confirmed it was not his grandma, Queen Elizabeth, or Prince Philip, his grandfather, a lot of people are thinking it was Charles or possibly William. I personally don't think it was William or Kate. I think they're a little bit more educated and from a younger generation compared to his dad. So that would lead me to believe that maybe Charles made some stupid statement. And like you said, the fact that he and Charles weren't speaking for a little while you know, that might all make sense, but I truly don't think the public's going to be able to move on from this until we get that, those questions answered. I want to acknowledge what you said about Oprah and that she was great with interviewing. I saw this tweet the other day by someone who goes by at Joy Mary Writes, and it says, quote, for journalism students watching hashtag Megan and Harry, watch how Oprah asks a follow-up. Watch when she interrupts and when she doesn't. Watch how present she is. Watch how she listens. Watch how she doesn't rush ever, end quote. And I feel like that's very true. She does a great job at asking very tough questions, but being respectful at the same time and making sure that she gets the answers, like you mentioned, that she didn't get at the beginning. It was obviously serious conversations, but it was very casual. It gave you that very personal, intimate experience. I think the location was very smart as well. They were outside. It was this weird... It was peaceful, yet obviously all the serious undertones of the conversation. So it was just this beautiful mix for this interview. And I really do think, like you said, she did such a great job of getting those questions out there, but also really letting the interviewee have their moment and just, you know, let it out without pushing because I know there were a couple of moments when she was starting to ask about Megan's family and how her, her father who basically like sold everything to the media, like he kind of betrayed her trust completely that, you know, when Megan was saying, Oh, I don't, I really don't feel comfortable addressing that, that she backed off. Another thing I want to mention is that Oprah is, I guess I would consider her a celebrity journalist in this case, celebrity interviewer. Mm -hmm. I would agree. From what I've noticed, a lot of times when these are celebrities doing interviews, then they accidentally put themselves at the center of the conversation. Right. Um, we actually watched this documentary from, I think, 1995 in, with Diane Sawyer. And mm -hmm. Diane Sawyer is a legend. But in this documentary, I think it's called Law and Disorder. She intentionally or not put herself at the center where she didn't really allow the subjects to speak for themselves. She just summarized them because... Diane Sawyer is a huge name and 
I don't right. think it was intentional, but that happened. And so I was really scared that would happen in this interview, but no, Oprah lets them talk. Absolutely. Right. It's like you, I mean, she obviously did such a great job, but the, she literally, and they clearly know each other. They live a few houses away from each other, I believe. So the fact that she kept it very cordial and just relaxed, it wasn't too personal. She wasn't throwing any friendship stories in there. Like, like she was hobnobbing with royalty. Like she kept it very cool and collected for sure. Yeah. And I want to go to the monarchy. So what do you think about the press statement that they released a couple of days ago in response to this interview? It's literally three sentences long. It's kind of basic. I'll read through it really quickly. It says, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. This is also, I feel like, the quickest statement that's been released ever that I've never seen Buckingham Palace release a statement this quick, that if there's any scandal or anything in the news about the monarchy, I feel like there's always like a week that goes by. I believe even after Diana died back in the late 90s, the Queen didn't even speak on TV until like a week after her passing. I think this is something that did shake them up a little bit because the fact that we're getting a statement the day after, two days after the interview aired, like... But I also think it was a very simple, quick one that I feel like we need a follow up to this because I know a lot of people were upset with hearing that it will be addressed by the family privately instead of certain members coming out and making their own statement that it was just this very basic one. But they also throw in there while some recollections may vary. So clear, clearly, that's basically them saying that they have their own side and they might disagree with some of the stories that Megan and Harry shared which also kind of wants leaves me wanting more that it's like, Ooh, if they're saying it didn't happen that way, then why don't we all get the truth? Like, let's just air it out right now. Yeah. It definitely gives the impression that they're hiding something. Yeah. And I think when the issue of race is brought up too, when a majority of the Commonwealth, the majority of the people are people of color, I think they deserve a statement a little bit stronger than this. So hopefully maybe this was a quick one and then there will be something followed up. I don't know, but they've always been very private. So I wouldn't be shocked either if this was the only statement on the matter. Do you think that this could cause the downfall of the British monarchy? I definitely think it is the start that I think I was reading a couple of articles, like actually last summer, where people think that William and Kate will be the final monarchy. Like that will be the final reigning king. His next up technically is Charles, which I know he technically wants it. He's been technically training his whole life for it. But because the queen is literally like forever young, like she's literally in her 90s and is still reigning, I would be happy if they just kind of cut Charles and moved on to William. I don't know if that's how it works. But I feel like the general public right now would rather see someone younger that maybe would take into account these changes and some things that the monarchy needs to educate themselves on maybe a little bit better than they ever have. If the monarchy is going to continue, I would like to see it with William and Kate because they would probably reach a younger generation 
that is willing to educate and learn from all of this. Whereas if they pick Charles, it's just, in my opinion, I don't think much will change. Yeah, I, I agree with the whole younger generation thing because Queen Elizabeth's been in, in power since 1952 and she's 94 years old right now. She's seen it all. I mean, she's she's been through a lot. Um, I know this definitely hurt her, but I also think that because, like you said, she's 94, that maybe she might not be the best person to be addressing these issues of racism and bullying and things like that and mental health. Like maybe she's, it's just not the right person. Like I like the queen, but maybe they do need someone like William and Kate who are a bit younger, have these, are in charge of these mental health initiatives, things like that to lead the monarchy into the future. Because I think that's the way they should look at it because then I think the British people and people around the world would trust them more if they accepted that they're willing to change and adjust. But it's also, you know, a colonialized system that's been around for centuries. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely feel like it might go away because at this point, the monarchy is just a symbol. It's not, it doesn't really right. do much. It's more to leave uh, Boris Johnson and parliament at this point. Right. That they're just figureheads, essentially. You know, that get to dress up really nice <laughs> and get driven everywhere. But I don't know. I mean, the British people in the latest poll that I read, they are approving of it still. They don't mind. I mean, England does make a lot of money from tourism and people who, you know, go to all the sightseeing, go to Buckingham Palace. They go to the gift shop and get the little corgi stuffed animals. I know I did when I studied abroad in London. So... This this interview, I hope there are changes made from this because I think if nothing is done at all and then just saying we're going to have private conversations with the family about this, it's like, mm, that's kind of the easy way out. But I don't know. I'm not behind those palace walls. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure there's a lot being said right now. I think the final question I have is what do you think about this whole bombshell that uh, Megan and Harry didn't receive protection when they moved back when they moved to America, and that their kid also won't get the title Ooh. or even protection. Yeah, that was very surprising to hear. I get that because they were stepping down and would not be living in the UK, that maybe that was why the security would not be provided. But it just gives off this very cold vibe of the family. Like if we're talking about the queen, like this is your grandson and his wife and your great grandchild, like really, you know, I don't know how much it would be, but for a family of three, like it that was very surprising to hear that he wouldn't have a title, that he wouldn't have this, you know, this, this, and this, and, you know, but what Harry did mention, the flip side of this is that technically as awful as some of the stories that they shared were, the flip side in playing devil's advocate is like they still have millions from Diana that she left him. They're living in Montecito with basically like the richest Americans from Hollywood. So they're they're fine, I think, financially, that I don't know if security is that much of an issue right now. Maybe initially when they were discussing that exit, it was shocking to hear. I think it's more hurtful then, oh, no, we can't afford this type situation, that I think it was just hurtful from his family's end, that it's like, wow, you're going to cut me and my wife off just because we want to 
you know, step away. We're not cutting ourselves out of the family, but I guess that must have been the way they took it. I want to mention very quickly about the whole mental health aspect thing. I understand. Yeah. Obviously, I think it's great for everybody to come out about mental health struggles, but I read this article somewhere that it's harder for men, I think, to also speak out against mental health. And so I feel like I want to um, just appreciate mm. Prince Harry doing that in this interview by speaking about how he felt trapped in the family and how he also struggled with mental health, as did Meghan Markle. I completely agree. And I think it makes us empathize a little bit more. That's like, wow, this is a man coming from an institution that you think, oh, what does he have to complain about? And, you know, he's dealt with some traumatizing things. Like he and William lost their mom when they were very young. I know William was a teenager, but Harry was still very young. So, you know, it is good to have someone that 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 is that large of a public figure speaking out about issues that a lot of people go through. Um, and I know that's also a big part of his initiatives and things like that. He and William do a lot about mental health research and advocating for it. It's like an oxymoron in a way that it's like the, the palace from what it sounds like does nothing to help mental health with their own family members, which that was very interesting to hear that it's like Harry and William do all this public speaking and advocating for mental health and helping yourself. And it sounds like the actual family, you know, kind of brushes things under the rug, which is kind of sad to hear. I also think it's because older generations, like the queen, people of her generation just aren't very accustomed to talking about mental health. It's just something that happens, you know? Right. It's like that suck it up kind of attitude, which hopefully if William and Kate are in power, they just have, because they are younger, they're not like, you know, Gen Z young, but they definitely have a better grasp on it and probably would have a better way of dealing it with the public and advocating for it in their speeches and when they make those trips and those visits that I think having them be the face of the monarchy would be very smart because I think they would just be able to advocate for things way better than the current institution. Gotcha. And so are there any other points about the interview that you want to mention? I don't know them, but I just hope that the families are able to reconcile from this because I know this was definitely damaging that even though Harry and Meghan were airing their truth and speaking their mind and their thoughts of what's been going on the past few years that the public didn't know much about, it is just sad to see that, you know, it's a family that's kind of torn apart now but I do hope that a lot of positive change can come from this and that the relationships can mend in time for sure. You know, it's very tough to talk about stuff like this, you know, particularly like mental health and what have you, but I hope that they're able to come mm -hmm. together, apologize if they hurt anybody's feelings and just either improve right. or just however it goes. I hope it happens. I, right. I think that's all that the public wants is like just issue an apology. Like we're not asking you to go in detail of every single personal manner that you've had with Harry and Meghan, but clearly if they're hurt, I feel like them just writing like we're saddened to hear of their hardships the past few years. It's like just just send an apology because all families have their issues. But I think if they just come out and apologize and issue something that's a little bit more heartfelt, I think we would all be a little bit more understanding. For sure. Gotcha. And so, uh, Holly, do you have any final comments? That was a lot of royalty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's exciting that Harry and Meghan are having a baby girl in addition to Archie. So that'll be fun to stay posted about, stay tuned for. Definitely. Yeah, that's exciting news, having a second child. 
Yeah, after she suffered a miscarriage this summer. So that was some positive news from the interview for sure. And really quickly, did you hear that Piers Morgan, why he hates Megan so much supposedly is that he had asked her out and she rejected him? What? (laughs) Yeah, that was just the final tea that I had to spell that supposedly they had been friends and they had, you know, met up for dinners, things like that. But she never liked him in that way. Shortly after she had met Harry and obviously they began dating. So a lot of people are speculating now that why Piers Morgan has been so hateful towards Megan for absolutely no reason. Is that because he was burned by her that people think that he got rejected and that he's still kind of not over it? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So that's another story that actually just dropped like the other day. So that's the current because he he has left Good Morning Britain. He's he stormed off. I don't know if you've seen the tweets and everything that he was having an argument about Megan with one of his co-anchors and they were like, dude, all you do is rag on her. Like, can you just let up? And then he got up, like stormed away on live TV and was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. And then he quit. (laughs) It's just hilarious how that how that came from being rejected by Meghan Markle. Yeah. So it's just crazy. I was just like, wow, I had no idea. So it also just shows that this business, it's like the theater world, the acting world, Hollywood, such a small industry. Everyone knows everyone. But that is shocking to hear. It's a small world. Absolutely. Holly Wilkinson, thank you so much for agreeing to be on episode 50 of Let's Talk Media. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Can I send a little shout out to your listeners? Yes. That's cool. So if anyone who's listening is interested in celebrity news or more royalty, you could, if you would like, follow Hollywood Talk on Instagram, which gives you your daily dose of all things celebrity. And it's spelled Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, W-O-U-L-D, Talk, T-A-L-K. If you want more updates and breaking news on this. All right. Because I'm sure there'll be more. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. There's a, this is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, William actually came out today and said that we are not a racist family. So I'm sure there's going to be more tea on this story very soon. All right. Holly, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. You're actually, fun fact, my very first podcast that I've been a guest on. That's awesome. So I'm very appreciative of this. I love your content and your podcast. So thank you so much for bringing some Hollywood on. I appreciate it. No problem.